Good morning, everybody. Aren't you guys excited to be in church this morning? Amen, amen. Um, man, it's just like, it's so phenomenal when you can be able to, to feel the presence of God so strong. And I know that he's with us always. But there's something different when we come together as a body. When we come together collectively to be able to say that, Jesus, I just want to see everything that you've got. I just want to know you more. I just want to just to hear you more. It's like there's, there's something different. It's like one can put a thousand, right? But two can put 10,000. And I feel like as we are entering into this next season here as a church, as a body of believers, I just know that what God is doing is raising us up so that we can be able to see from that heavenly perspective that we see his kingdom come and his will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven, right here at Valley Church as it is in heaven, right here in our kids' ministry as it is in heaven, and right here in our youth group as it is in heaven, and right here, God, on every Wednesday night class as it is in heaven. It's like we just want to see more of him and what he wants to do in our lives. And it's like I just been, I was feeling it as we were sitting there worshiping, not, well, sitting, standing, whatever, whatever we were doing. Um, not whatever we were doing. That just sounds even worse, huh? Um, as we were worshiping, it just felt like it's, these, it's this time just to sit. We've been talking lately of, of proximity, of how we, how we sit in his presence and we spend time close to him and, and how when it's just can end up being these moments of you and God and how he can be able to speak into your life. And there's these quiet moments that we get to spend time with him to really hear his heartbeat. I was in our living room the other night and everybody was asleep. It was after our kids. We have four amazing and wonderful children that take a long time to go to sleep. And, and, um, and then of course our house, I mean, they're 11, eight, six, and four or two. Just kidding, thank you. Um, my wife had to remind me our last, the baby's age. Um, so, it, and two, and so our house can be kind of a little chaotic to say the least. And then when everyone went to sleep and uh, even my wife was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to bed. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm just gonna sit here. And it's like, when they're, when they're all awake, you can't really hear everything that's going on in the house. You don't hear the, the creaking, you don't hear the, the wind outside. Um, you can't even sometimes hear yourself think at moments. But I realized something that as I sat quietly and listened, I started hearing the, the, the second hand on our clock. And our clock doesn't even have a second hand, like, but I could hear it going, probably a little timer in the back. And I, I, could, I could see, it's like almost like if I was just staring at it long enough, I could almost see the hand start to move. And normally throughout the house, it's like as we're, throughout the day as we're going, um, you don't get those chance to see. You just look up and you're like, oh my gosh, it's almost time to go to school. Kids, get your shoes on. We got to go. And you're screaming and you're yelling. You're trying to get into the car. And then, then it's like, oh my gosh, it's just, you know, whatever hour we got to get to bed. And then it's like, we get to sit and we get to really focus in on what he wants to say. We get to really focus in and hear the sounds of, of, of even the clock as throughout the day, you can't hear it. But when you get into the quiet moment with him, you hear it. And I feel like that's what, what, what really is gonna happen today. I feel like the Father really wants to download some, some, some things to us, but he really wants us to be able to sit and hear his voice. 
There's, a, there's constant stories where Jesus is sitting with people and it's that proximity moment when he gets in close with them and he sits with them and he begins to talk with them. And it's like, I bet you at times, I mean, it's like, you know, kids were around him constantly. Or if you're, you know, John the apostle, he's talking about him being the most beloved. It's like, and we see the pictures where he's leaned up against Jesus' chest. It's like, that's where I want to be at. That's our heartbeat. It's like, can we, can we have all the greatest things? Yes. Can we, can, cause does he want to bless us totally? Does he want to heal us? Yes. But most of all, I want to hear his heartbeat. Most of all, it's like, I want to feel it. I want to be able to lean up next to him to be able to really hear what are you truly saying, Jesus? What are you really trying to do? And, and, and where are you really leading and guiding? And a lot of those times, it's not going to be in the most boisterous of, of, of arenas. It's not going to be in the most boisterous of rooms, but it's going to be in the moment when we get into our prayer, like we call it closet, but it's like a prayer area or just a moment that we focus in on the presence of God and the, the voice of God of what are you saying that I want to hear it just like that clock ticking I want to hear what he has to say and I hope that's like my drive and everything I've been doing lately every every event that we put together everything that we're doing here at church every everything in the youth group my 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 greatest heartbeat is that I just want to know his voice so much more I just want to hear him so much more. It's like that's our, our, our posturing being is that I just got to see his will be done. And, and, and I just got to know what are you saying, Jesus? Because if, if I want to go a certain way, if, is that really the way you have for me? Or is it just to follow after your footsteps? And it's like, and, and, and I know we're going to unpack some verses here in a second, but it's like I just wanted to take another moment because it's like how much more does he want to say that we haven't quite drowned out the voices around us yet. We haven't stopped thinking about lunch. Did we turn off the crock pot? Did we, did, we, did we turn off the things? Did we turn off the coffee pot? We started thinking about, man, where are we going afterwards? What restaurants are open? We started thinking about who am I gonna go to lunch with? What's gonna end up happening? Maybe you've got family event to get to. There's so many things, right, that we gotta get to, but yet the most greatest divine moment is right here and right now. The most greatest divine moment that he wants to do in your life is right here, right now, just to be able to sit and listen. So would you just, um, we call it soaking. It's like a sponge, basically is how, the way I, I describe it, because I mostly hang out with a lot of children um, and for kids ministry and youth ministry. So the way I describe it is like a sponge, but would you just close your eyes and put your hands out? And a lot of times we may feel like it's just gotta be Pastor Tim saying, or Pastor Lynn, or all the pastoral staff, or it's gotta be that prophet that says something. But I want you to know that you hear from God too. I want you to know that you're his child too. And that he wants to speak to you. just don't want us to be another body of believers that come together to clock in and clock out. But I want us to be children of the Most High God. 
to be reminded that you're our Father and you care for each and every one of us and you love us even in the midst of craziness, even in the midst of all the loudness that's going around. We just say, Jesus, that this week would be a week of just hearing your voice even more. That while we're at work, that while we're going about our tasks, that while we're at school, that while we're even getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner, but we just begin to know that everything we do, we want to do it as unto the Lord. We want to do it so that your kingdom comes and your will is done. That our heart posture is just to know you more and more. everything to us. You're, we want you to be everything to us. So we say to every heartache and pain, to every chink in the armor that, that maybe the enemy has hit us so hard that we just don't know which way is up anymore. We say today's the day of salvation. Today's the day, Father, that I know that you want to speak into our lives that you want us to be reminded that first and foremost, we're children of God. First, before everything else, our identity comes straight from you. Not to the circumstance, not from the situation, not from the sin, not from, not from the mistakes, the failures, but comes right from the goodness of God. That when I turn to my right and to my left, you're there. That when I look in front of me, you're there. When I look behind me, I just see your kindness and your mercy following me every day of my life. And that when we fall, you're there to pick us up. That when we fall, you're there to lift us up and dust us off and to remind us that we're your children. And we are who you say we are. So remind us today that we are chosen Remind us today that we're a royal priesthood. Remind us today that we are called by your name and that when we can come confidently into the throne room of grace, we can come confidently, not with pride, that our heads are, 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 are not with pride of saying because of what I've done, but with confidence, with our head held high because of all that you have done for us. So I thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to be able to to do any more. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. so good to us and we can just be reminded of that this morning that he's so good to us I know this isn't our normal thing and our normal way of going about things but I know 
It is normal because we're just following after the presence of God. That is our normal around here. It's just following Holy Spirit of what you want to do. feel like is there somebody with like tightness of breath like it's hard it's hard to breathe would you put your hand in the air if it's hard to breathe right now if you're feeling that way okay we got one right there one right there would you just would you just extend your hand to the people they have some there's some people with hands raised father we just say breath to come into their body we say life into their body right now We say all congestion, all all tightness, everything has got to go. We believe in the complete healing of Jesus Christ. Because of what you have done on the cross, Jesus, I know that we just don't get healed so she can kind of take a few more breaths, but no, you heal completely. So we say complete healing over her body right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anybody with like lower back pain? Lower back pain, would you just put your hand in the air if it's lower back pain? If there's someone next to you that has their hand up, would you just stretch your hand out to them? Lower back pain. Come on, it's okay. You don't even have to touch them because we believe Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. So we just say, Jesus, right now that you would touch that lower back pain. We say maybe it was an injury from before. We say you got to go and be completely in alignment with heaven right now. We speak to the muscles. We speak to the to the uh, muscles and ligaments and bones and everything right now, Father, that you are strengthening, you are repairing, you are putting back together everything that maybe the doctor has said is broken and no longer can be, there's nothing else they can do, but we serve an amazing God. So we just speak to that back pain this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, yeah, yeah. Colton, was it back pain for you? pretty much your whole back okay this sounds really weird but I'm not even really going to talk about the healing but I just like I heard what the father was saying it's like it's almost an attack that's coming to you because your back is what you're going to stand strong with and what the Lord's doing is restoring for you to stand strong in your faith in him and it's not just like a pain just because like oh maybe it's bending and twisting and all this stuff but because the father says that he's got a work for you to do and that he is putting back together, like your back, I mean, for lack of a better term, um, but he's putting back together your back so that you can stand strong on who he's actually called you to be and what he wants to do in your life.
Um, is that Misty right there? Misty, so you're gotten highlighted. Is that okay if, if you stand? Sorry, I just thought you had your head down with your, with your hat. Okay. This is Misty Carlfeld. She is a powerful woman of God, but, um, and she is doing amazing things. She brings the fire. But Misty, I just really heard like what the Lord's saying is that um, like your hands are on fire. And let me explain. So what he was showing was that like when you're writing down, the words are catching on fire with what he's doing in you and through you. And I don't know if like you're writing a new thing or even like a, almost like I know that you, you, you go into politics and all this stuff, but I don't think it's just, just even that. I think even declarations that he wants you to write down for your family, over your children, over your husband, over the business. And he says, everything you write down is gonna just light on fire with him. Light on fire for what he wants to do. So would you just stretch your hand out to Misty? Misty, we're just gonna pray for you because all the spiritual attacks that you've been feeling are, are no more. We're breaking off right now every lie that is trying to come against you and every arrow that is trying to find its way into you. We are saying right now that Misty is going to stand as a powerful woman of God because you have called her, anointed her, you have chosen her for such a time as this, that you are bringing her to this moment with you and him um, and that you are bringing her to these moments that she is going to, when she starts writing, she's going to feel like the power of you, Jesus, that's moving through her and in her. That every word that she writes down is the declaration that you are going to fulfill in her life. It's not going to be some far off declaration, but it's going to be declarations within three days that will start being uh, fulfilled. And declarations over finances, over people, and not just of your own little circle, Misty, but even over other people that you're going to see on the street, that you're going to be able just to start to open your mouth. It's like the Lord saying, open your mouth and every word that you say is going to come straight from him and it's going to come to pass. So we just thank you, Lord, for Misty and what she is doing and what you are doing through her in Jesus' name. Yeah. Okay. Now I kind of feel like we can kind of get into this, okay? We got about a half hour left. I'm, I'm going to try to skim through some notes here really fast. I mean, man, isn't it just so cool to be in the presence of God, right? Like to just know that he's good to each and every one of us. Man, so if you have your Bibles, um, I'm going to read to you from John chapter 5, the first few verses. Of, well, I say few, but it's basically 15 or 16 verses there. We're going to read from the Passion Translation is what I'm going to take from this morning. I normally always read to you from the New Living, but um, we're going to read from the Passion Translation. We're going to kind of dive in. I just ask that... Um, I'm just following after what God's doing, okay? So just bear with me. Um, but verse one, it says, from Galilee, Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish feasts. Inside the city near the sheep gate, there was a pool called in Aramaic, the house of loving kindness, surrounded by five covered porches. Hundreds of sick people were laying under the covered porches, the paralyzed, the blind, the crippled, all of them waiting for their healing. For an angel of God periodically descended into the pool to stir the waters. And the first one who stepped into the pool after the water swirled would instantly be healed. Among the many sick people laying there, there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. Jesus said to him, do you truly, do you truly long to be well? Do you truly long to be well? 
The sick man answered, sir, there's no one, there's no way I can be, I can get healed for I have no one to lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and you will walk. Immediately he stood up, he was healed. So he rolled up his mat and walked again. Now Jesus worked this miracle on the Sabbath. When the Jewish leaders saw the man walking along, carrying his sleeping mat, they objected and said, what are you doing carrying that? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? Man, isn't that just like the leaders of that time or, or Pharisees, whoever, that they're more focused on him breaking the law than actually him walking after 38 years? Like, wouldn't that have kind of caught you a different, different way? It says, do you know that it's the Sabbath? It's not lawful for you to carry things on the Sabbath. He answered them, the man who healed me told me to pick, pick it up and walk. Finally, they, they asked, what man, they asked, who was the man who ordered you to carry something on the Sabbath? Still trying to go back to who in the world had the authority to tell you to do something outside of the Jewish law. Verse 13, it says, but, he, but the healed man couldn't give them an answer for he didn't yet know who it was since Jesus had already slipped away into the crowd. If you're like me and everything's kind of playing a picture in your mind, I kind of have Jesus like as kind of a smirk on his face as he kind of slowly steps into the crowd and then just kind of walks off, right? So verse 14, it says, a short time later, Jesus found the man at the temple and said to him, look at you now, you're healed. Walk away from your sin that nothing worse will happen to you. Now the man's upset. And he, the man went to the Jewish leaders to inform them. It was Jesus who healed me. Um, I actually have verse 16. I'm sorry. And I think I messed up. I only gave you 15. But verse 16, if it's not up there, you can just, we can read it. It says, from that day forward, the Jewish leaders began to persecute Jesus because of the things he did on the Sabbath. For the next few moments, I really only have a few more minutes here, so I'm gonna to try to go through this. But the sermon title that I have for you, and we're just gonna roll with it, okay? So please stay with me. I'm gonna to preach to you on the subject of the best pool party ever. The best pool party ever. We all know the pool parties, you get the invitation, you automatically then start to be reminded that, oh no, I need new swimming trunks. Um, then you're also reminded that I, it was just around Thanksgiving time that I said, or the new year, I said I would totally work out to get my summer bod on, and I didn't. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you know, and so you get, these, you get these invitations to these pool parties, and we all love a good pool party. And I, I was reminded of, of a couple of pool parties that we got, or at least one that we got invited to, and another one, I'll tell you a different story with it. But um, we got invited to this pool party, and, and I think one of, our, one, of the, one of the four was just born, so Ezzy was at home, so I just took Micah with me. It had to be like Emmeline or Isaiah, one of them. And so um, Micah's only a couple years old. He doesn't know how to swim, but we're going to go to this pool party, and I'm really excited. And again, it's me and Micah, so like I'm being dad of the year. I'm packing all of his stuff. I'm getting everything prepared. You know this story probably has a weird turn to it. So, um, and so we're, we're trying to do all these things, and we get to the pool party, and it's just amazing. I mean, I've got the sunscreen on him. We got the flotation device, like, because he doesn't know how to swim. We're, we're good. Again, he's only a couple years old at this point. And so um, a lot of the kids are running and jumping into the water. So Micah wants to do that as well, right? It, it makes sense. It's a fun time. 
And so I, I, for some reason, I don't quite remember what happened, but he came over to me. And I remember he asked me, um, he wanted to jump into the water. I said, as long as you got your little floaty thing on, cool. And, um, but then he asked me to pick him up and throw him into the water. So me being a good dad, right, was like, let's do it. <laughs> so I grab him and I throw him. Now, have you ever seen that John Wayne video where like he teaches the kid how to swim? Yes, that's exactly how this plays out. So I pick him up and I throw him. And I was trying not to like throw him too far, but then I was trying to throw him far enough and then try not to hit the other kids. Then in my mind, I was also thinking like, I don't want to put him too far into the deep, but I also don't want him in the shallow water. Like he wants, he wants to play with the rest of the kids, right? So I, I just, I throw him as far as I can. And so he, he hits the water. It's a beautiful thing. Like there, if there was people there with numbers, they would have been given us 10. Like it was, it was beautiful. He falls, he, he jump, he gets into the water. I say jump, fall, whatever. He, he gets into the water and he lands and I'm like, oh, cool, man. But like literally everything within the mind frame within like maybe 10 split seconds. I mean, like it's, it, it happened so fast. He hit the water and because of the momentum that I threw him at and the angle in which I projected him to or towards, um, he not only hit the water, but he also tipped. And when he tipped, it wasn't one of those floaties that like you could be able to strap around you. It was actually a floaty that it just, he just fit inside of. And so when he flipped over his body, I just see feet going down into the water. And so at that moment, you have a split moment to react as a parent. So I did what any good, great father would do. I jumped into the water, okay? First off, it's a pool. I can see the bottom, so we're good, right? Um, so I jump into the water, I get him, and I'm like, and it's a deep pool. Like, we're talking like it was like a foot, just kidding, 15 feet. And so he, of course, I landed him in the 15 foot or the 12 foot, I think it was 12 foot area. So he's on his way to the bottom of the pool. I jump in, I grab him. Now, it's cool to swim when you've got your swimming gear on, but when you have tennis shoes and jeans and a shirt and like, and it, it's not the greatest. And so I jump into the water, I get him. We, we almost hit the bottom and I'm trying to like swim up to the top. Then I'm not a rescue swimmer, okay? So like, I'm holding on to him the best I can and I'm trying to like, get him over to the side. Yeah, I, I wish Ryan was there. I'd have been like, Ryan, blow the, blow the whistle. So, um, and so I get him over there. I get to the side and we're trying to get him up out of the water and, and he's fine. He's of course coughing because all the water that he swallowed and, and people are rushing over and they're, they're picking him up. And then they're like, do you want out of the water? And I was like, at this point, I'm in. Like, just leave me. I'm fine. And so of course we get into the car and, and then I have to describe uh, the, the whole scenario to my wife now because I don't want Micah to go home and say, dad threw me and try to drown me. Um, so you know what I mean? Parents, you know, right? You're the dad, you're trying to, listen, I'm gonna tell mom first, you're fine. You didn't die, you're okay, you know? Because <laughs> I know he's gonna get in there and have a whole different story for her. And so, but here, here he jumped into the water and so it's just like we, we, we love pool parties. He's fine, he knows how to swim now. We're good if you see my son Micah. He, he's amazing. He knows what he's doing now. Um, but another time, we, we as when we go on vacation as family, we try to go to a place that um, has a pool, right? Because you want the kids just to wear themselves out and be done, as you're, especially if you're traveling. And so we're at the pool, and I, Isaiah, who's my, my youngest son, who's five, um, or six, excuse me. Um, and so I corrected myself. And so he's six, but we have a little life 
device thing that now actually buckles around him, right? And if you know my son Isaiah, that's what we need. And so we told him that you could jump into the water as long as it's buckled all the way, and dad has to check it first. So we always check it, and then he can just start diving in. And he's jumping into the water. We're having a great time. Eliana's, like, splashing around. And then um, she had this, like, ball, that she, like, like, beach ball that she kept throwing in and throwing in and throwing in, and we'd go, and we'd swim over. We'd get it. turns into this game, right? So now we're getting ready to leave. And if you're anything like my family, it takes about an hour to pack up all the stuff that we took, all the blankets, all the towels, all the, all the water bottles, all the flotation device, um, extra pairs of clothes. Like, I mean, there's all these things we're packing around. So I'm, I'm getting it all and we're, we're walking out of the pool area. And Eliana decides to throw the, throw the beach ball back into the pool. And I'm like, you know what, sis? Sorry. Like, you threw it? We're leaving it. Looks like it's a blessing to the next family. And my son, all I hear is, I got it. And Isaiah goes running and just jumps off of the, the edge and dives into the water. No flotation device. Now, if you know Isaiah, he's only like this tall, right? So two feet of water is going to make him drown. And so he just jumps in, both feet barreling in because he wants to get it for his sister. And he has no concept that he's not going to be able to reach the bottom or he's not going to be able to stand up in this water. And so he jumps in. So what do I do? I do the great thing if I drop everything and I jump into the water with him. Um, thank God I finally had swimming clothes on at this time. And so it wasn't so much of a, of a big thing. But when we get him out, he's laughing. Like, he's laughing at this whole ordeal. Um, he thinks it's the funniest thing as he's coughing up water and he's like, you know, all the things um, that go along with the pool. And so, but I thought about this as we started to really kind of this, this story of that we, we looked at here of there's different, there's a pool and yet there's all these different people that are trying to make their way into the water. And here that they're trying to do... Um, here they're trying, there's all different types of sickness and, and things that they've got. And now we find into the story where John's describing it, that Jesus is walking to a feast to be able to go to, the, to, this, to Jerusalem. And, and it made me question because it didn't even want to talk about the feast. What it really wanted to talk about was who he was about to encounter. So let me lay some groundwork here for, with you for a moment. That Let me just remind you that where Jesus is wanting to take us is so much more important than where he's actually just trying to go himself. What he wants to do is to be able to remind us that I want to meet with you. I want to be with you. I want to, I want to be your God um, more than the circumstance that surrounds us, okay? And so Jesus is making his way into the city. It's called the Sheep Gate. When you do some study onto it, um, they're talking about a place where they would be led for slaughter. And I thought about, would it, would it be interesting enough that John, just a couple of uh, chapters before, he hears John the Baptist talk about when he sees Jesus that behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So this whole story is setting up for some amazing encounter with what Jesus wants to do into each and every one of our lives because he's willing to go to a place where he's slaughtered and have death so that you can have life. So that you can experience the life that he wants to give. And it's not just him just dying on a cross because the story doesn't end there. But the story continues that he's actually being raised again so that we can have life and life more abundantly when we submit or when we bring ourselves into a relationship with him. Hallelujah. So we find these porches, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to kind of go a little fast here, but... I want to bring out a couple different points is that the Bible says that periodically an angel of God would come down and stir the water. 
And from, so it's saying that maybe occasionally, time to time, everybody's waiting for the moment for the water to, to start to bubble. Everyone's waiting for something to happen. That's when they'll get their healing. That's when they can try to work themselves into the water. And yet we find where Jesus now meets the man because he's Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just waiting for the moment that I can actually get into the presence of God. No, what he gives us now today is his presence so we can actually walk out and be healed wherever we're at. We're not having to wait to get to church. We're not having to wait to get into the four walls. We're not having to wait till somebody uh, anoints us and, and, and with oil or prays for us. We can be able to put our hand on our own head and say, in Jesus' name, body be healed. Amen. So we find where um, in, in the middle of, we have, I'm sorry, uh, Psalms 46. Hannah, if you want to get that on the screen. Psalms 46, verses 1 through 3. This is coming from the New Living Translation. I wanted to bring this out to you. It says, God is our refuge and strength. Everybody say, God is my refuge and strength. Okay, that was kind of weak. That felt like a Wednesday night with our youth group. So, God is our refuge and strength. Yeah, you guys are amazing. Thank you. Class participation. Always ready to help in times of trouble. So you will not, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Why? Everything else can go crazy around us, but going back to verse one, because God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever ready, always ready to help in times of trouble. If we could be reminded of that, that he's always going to be there for us, whether we feel him or not, but we know this one thing is he is our refuge and our strength. Amen. The Bible teaches that he's our strong tower that we can run to and find safety. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of the circumstances, he's the one that we really need to get to. And so in the middle of everyone waiting for the water to, to be stirred up. Here's this man that says for 38 years that he's been waiting. 38 years. I don't know if that's like, you know, maybe 38 times once a year, maybe the water gets, gets stirred up. Maybe it's, it's double that, triple that. Sorry, that's really hard math to do, especially on a Sunday morning on the fly. Um, but maybe there's all these times that he's seen over and over and over and over again. That someone else has made their way into the water. Someone else has gotten the blessing. Someone else has, has uh, uh, gotten the financial blessing. Someone else has be, has, is feeling the joy. And yet here he is uh, time after time after time after time waiting for the water to, to, to stir. But yet now it comes to, now he doesn't have to wait for the water to stir because Jesus didn't just come to heal his body, but he actually came to heal his heart. And that he actually came to heal him fully and completely. Jesus asked him, do you truly long to be well? And I'm sure like some of us, we would have maybe answered the question with maybe a little sarcasm or maybe a little bit of a smirk or a smile. And because we would have asked, then at that point, Jesus, like, I mean, he comes up to us and says, don't you really want to, do you really truly want to be well? And I'm sure we would have looked up at that moment after 38 years and said, what do you think I'm doing here? Right? <laughs> Because let, let's be real. He doesn't, first off, he doesn't know it's Jesus. It's like, he just knows this guy just comes up and starts asking him weird questions. And then he's like, what do you think I'm doing here? I'm trying. What do you think I'm doing here time and time again? 
The Bible says in verse seven, when we read it, I'll just read it, you don't have to turn to it. It says, the sick man answered, sir, there's no way I can be healed for I have no one to lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Everything in him says, I want to be healed. But what Jesus is trying to teach us is that it's not about what we can get in front of us, but it's about who we can get in front of us. It's not about what we can try to crawl, to muster ourselves, to be able to get to this certain thing that if I can just get to this certain thing, it's going to help me. It's going to satisfy me. But yet the whole entire time, what Jesus wants to do is to be, for us to be reminded that he is everything that we're ever going to need. He is going to be more than enough, more than we, the addiction, more than the alcohol, more than the drugs, more than even the pornography addiction. What he is going to be is going to be Jesus Christ who wants to heal you from your head down to the sole of your feet. But what matters is, do you truly want to be healed? Amen. The question rings everything. Do you really want to be healed? Do you really want it? And he, what does the man do? He starts to describe his circumstance around him. He starts to say, it's not even, he, he tries to tell Jesus, it's because I have no one here to lower me into the water. I've got no one here to be able to help me along. I've got no one here. He's talking about his loneliness that he's beginning to feel. And I'm sure like, like him, like you, like me, that we have all felt that a time or two, that we've got no one there to lower us. That's why it's very important of the people that we surround ourselves with. Okay, let me say this for a moment here. It's very important for the community that we surround ourselves with. We just did this through youth group on Tuesday, uh, uh, Tuesday night, whatever Tuesday night is, uh, Wednesday night um, on youth group. And we were talking about here in John, he, he says, I've got no one to lower me. But we find in Mark where Jesus is teaching, the house is completely packed out and they want to get a paralyzed man to his feet. So what does his friends do? They tear a roof in the hole of the, uh, or they tell a hole in the roof of the place, and then, and then they lower him to the feet of Jesus. What does Jesus do? The first comment Jesus makes is because he saw their faith, he forgave him of his sins and healed the man. It's very important of who we surround ourselves with to bring us. Are they just leaving us there to figure it out? Are they actually lowering us to the feet of Jesus? And, and I know the comment, it could be a cliche comment that we're praying for you, but I want you to really hear the heartbeat behind it. When someone means that, it means that what they're doing is they're lowering you to the feet of Jesus because they realize what I can say, the advice that I can give is not going to mean anything until you have an encounter with the God of heaven and earth. Like it's not going to mean anything until Jesus comes down and says, hey, I want to ask you a question. Do you really want to be healed? And is our response the circumstance around us? is our response of what, what is really happening. Take Jesus with Lazarus. When he gets there, people are crying, and, the, and, 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 and his friends tell him, if you had only been here, then he would have been healed. Like, they start to blame, like, God, because or, or, if you had really seen what, what I'm going through, then you wouldn't be asking me this question, do I really want to be healed? You know I want to be healed. You know I want to be set free. You know I want to be delivered. And it's like, here comes Jesus and he starts talking to him. And I wonder almost if Jesus cuts him off in the middle of his comments. Like we read, it's a, it's a, like when you're reading the verse, the period happens, I'm sure maybe the end of the, the statement. But I wonder if Jesus really stopped him from his complaining. I wonder if Jesus actually stopped him for a moment and said, okay, hey, listen, I asked if you wanted to be healed. I didn't ask you for circumstances. 
I ask, do you really want to experience? It's the same thing that we see when Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. He says, if it's really you, let me come to you walking on the water. And what does Jesus say? Come. He doesn't say, hey, try to figure out the water. Try to figure out which step you're going to take. See if the Leviathan is going to like pop its head out and like, and try to get you. Like, that'd be my, that would be my question. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, is there going to be something in the water? No, there's not going to be anything in the water. What matters most is where am I putting my focus at? Am I trying to army crawl my way to just get into the pool because I just know that if I can get to church, it's going to be there? Yes. But what about on tomorrow morning when we wake up and Jesus says, do you still want to be healed? What about when he meets you at those moments to be able to remind you that not only are you his son, but that he's also a good father to remind you that he's good to you every single day. Jesus, like, literally, I believe, almost cuts him off and tells him, stand up from where you are. Stand in everything that our Father has for us, not staying in the mess that he has found us in, not staying in our circumstance that we have surrounded ourselves with, not staying in the voice and hearing the voice of the enemy day after day and time after time that the enemy has constantly wants to put us into circumstances so that his voice is louder and, his, and he can begin to get you confused and begin to get you to, to, to think, well, maybe I just got to get to the pool or maybe I just got to get to this thing and that's really going to help me or maybe I just got to get to that thing. And yet Jesus is saying, I'm right here to make you true whole. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6, it says, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you in the day of salvation. I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. The Bible tells us that immediately the man stood up and rolled up his mat and started to walk. He didn't have to wait for the water anymore, he was just waiting to hear the voice of Jesus. Amen. He didn't wait for the action to happen. He actually, I'm sure, was close enough to Jesus that I'm sure maybe Jesus was knelt down because it kind of sounds like he's paralyzed, he's crippled. So Jesus has knelt down to him, talking to him one-on-one, -on -one, and he tells him, stand up because today you're going to walk. Stand up because today's the day. Stand up because the day is the day that you're going to be able to hear, um, hear him more, know him more, be able to see him more. But what's one thing he had to do? He had to roll up his mat. And it's interesting enough that he had to take his mat with him. Now, my question when I first reading through the verses was like, why did he have to take his mat? He's healed. You know what I mean? Like, was it going to be that maybe he was going to, get paralyzed again? No. Maybe it was going to be that somehow, some way he'd find himself back. Maybe if we kept, when we keep reading the verses, we see where Jesus is saying something about that. But I believe when, when he's walking with his mat, it's because he's being able to show, I think Drew said it earlier today, to be, able to, to be able to show like a testimony of this is where God has brought me from. Because he's pointing back to the mat, the one thing that gave him identity, the one thing that gave him comfort, the one thing that he could run to, that he could lay down on, that he could be able to go back to. But now what Jesus is saying, no, you're going to carry it with you. So when people see that you're walking, you're going to be able to point to the mat and say, this is how far he's brought me from. You're going to be able to point to the mat and say, no, because I know that God has done already something good inside of me. I know he can do it again. No, if he brought me out, he's going to bring me through again. 
And that's where I feel like what, the, what, what Jesus is, what, what the word that of today of what we're hearing is like we've got to stand up to be reminded that we have got to stand in his presence, roll up our mat and begin to walk out what he's called us to do. That man didn't have to worry about it anymore. He got to point to his testimony. But better than that, he got to now have a new identity. He got to have a new thing that he's called. And here comes the Jewish leaders. Here comes the leaders of that day that try to point him back to his mat. How many things in your life are trying to point you back to your mat? They're trying to point you back to your comfort zone. They're trying to point you back to the sin that Jesus has brought us out of. To the, to the mistakes, the failures, all these things. No, we've already rolled them up. We've already put them under our arm. But how many times do we start looking at it being like, you know, it'd just be easier if I laid it out again and laid down. It might be more easier for me rather than to try to continue to walk with him. But now I'm laying down the mat because it literally comes back to which voice am I listening to? Which truth is there? The 38 year one, the 38 year of feeling hopeless, discouraged, to feeling all the, the, the heaviness of everything, or am I feeling the voice of God? Am I, am, am I filtering, am I, am I, excuse me, not filtering, am I walking after what he's called me to do? What he, am I walking after what he wants to do in my life? And that most of all, he doesn't just do it for me, but he does it so I can carry the mat with me to say, hey, guess what? You can get off your mat too because I've, I've found hope. Micah verse, or uh, the book of Micah uh, chapter seven is actually verse seven and eight. Verse seven and eight, it says, as for me, I look to the Lord for help. I will content, I will confidently, I wait confidently for God to save me for my God will certainly hear me. Then verse eight, it says, do not glow over me, my enemies. For though I fall, I will, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I don't know where you found yourself in, but maybe we've all found ourselves starting to really go back to the mat. Or are we going to follow after the voice that told us stand up because you're going to walk again? And it took everything in him at that moment do I believe this weird man that just found me at this pool? Or do I believe the circumstance or the things that I can see for the last 38 years? Every one of us have those moments that when God begins to say something to us, it's up to us. Do I follow after him or do I stay in the circumstance that I have found myself in? I've been there. I'm, I'm not trying to like, say, man, these are all the things. No, I've been there. And I've, I've probably shared more than I probably should have <laughs> um, a lot more times with you of my failures and the things, things that I have felt like that I've had to learn from. But I've learned this very one thing. I've learned one thing above it all is that when I pick up my mat and begin to walk, how much more the Father begins to get pleased with me. Because I'm listening to what he wants to say and I'm listening to who he's saying it to because I, want, I know that he's saying it to me. I know that we're walking it out in this area. Um, you know, we can, as with four kids, you can say something in the house and every one of them will be like, who are you talking to? 
And I'm like, you, I'm staring at you. Like, get to the dishes, you know, or whatever it is. And it's like, but I believe our, our heavenly father wants to do that today to you and I, that he's literally staring at you saying, you take up your mat and walk. You don't have to stay there anymore. You don't have to live in that mess anymore. You don't have to live in the, 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 the situation that you found yourself anymore. You can be able to walk out what he's called you to do and walk with him because he says it right here in scripture, stand up, take up your mat and walk. So would you stand with me? I told you it was only gonna be a few minutes. I got trying to choose which verse I want to tell you last. So we see where, where Jesus now meets the man at the, at the temple. He sees him and says, you're healed. Like, it's almost like trying to get the reaction out of him. I mean, it's Jesus. He knows that he's healed. And then he says, to make sure you're not continuing sin. And that's the part where it got me. Up After 38 years, did he run back to the mess that he found himself beforehand? Where did he go back to? What was he doing? And oh, that's, that's messed up of Jesus. No, that's the loving God that we serve that says, hey, I don't want you to stay there. I want you to continue to walk in what I've got you to do. I've, I want you to continue to walk in my goodness. Don't go back to the mess that you found yourself at. Don't go back to the, the addiction. Don't go back to the very thing that brought us comfort. Don't go back even to the mat. Don't go back into where, where, where we thought the enemy was saying. But more than that, Galatians 5, 1, and then we're gonna go to 16 and 18. This, I'll end this with here if our prayer team wants to make their way to the, to the front. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in, sla in, in slavery to the law. But we're gonna jump down to verse 16. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us, gives us desire that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are continually fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions, but, you, but when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. I know, like I said, it's been a little, little bit different, but one thing I just want to say and have you reminded is that, hey, we're invited to the best pool party ever. The pool party because he doesn't want to leave you the same as he wants you to remind it, stand and take up your mat and walk so that you can be healed, so that you can be delivered and that you can be set free. So would you close your eyes as we end here? And then we're gonna give you the opportunity if you'd like to, you can come to the front. I know maybe it was a challenging word and I don't want it to ever come across as any condemnation or guilt, but I want you to know I've been there with my own addictions, my own things, my own stuff that I was kept going back to that because I, I felt like it gave me satisfaction in which it didn't. What gives me the most satisfaction is when I walk after the loving kindness of God. 
And so, Father, I thank you for every single person that's here today. I thank you that you talk to us, that you speak to each and every one of us, that today is not, not to bring guilt or shame, but today is the day that it's going to be raised up, that we're going to pick up our mat and walk again. We're going to pick up yesterday's failure mistake, and it's going to be a testimony, not something that the enemy can gloat over, as we read in Micah, but it's going to be because my help and strength and refuge comes from my God. And I'm going to walk out what you have for us. That this week is going to have Jesus encounters. Rather just with myself or the people I work with or the family or the dinner table or in the car. What matters most is you are speaking to us today. So let our hearts and minds be open and clear of what you want to say and what you want to do. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I just want to do this, and I know I'm changing things on you, but I I just want to do this. Before we leave, we're going to keep the doors closed. We're going to allow for ministry time. But if that's you today and says, I just need to, I need to pick up my mat again, and I need to walk, would you step out of your aisle and would you come on down to the front? If you're saying, this is, this is me, I need, I'm ready to take on the next step. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you're coming. Go ahead. Go ahead. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And maybe you feel it more in your heart than it is like, oh, Pastor Tim, I don't want to be embarrassed to step out in front of people. That's totally fine. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. But we want it to be a moment where we want you to know that you're in a loving family and that we're going to be here to lower you to the feet of Jesus. We're going to be here to walk with you and speak with you. So I ask that when we leave right now that we just, the conversations, if you stay in the sanctuary, please keep them to a bare minimum because we want to get the chance to be able to pray with with everybody. But if you would even like more prayer, we we just invite you to come up to the front um, and to be with us. So let's just, would you just put your hands out one more time? And then prayer team, we're going to, the people that came forward, we're going to, you can go up to them and we're going to pray with them. But Father, I thank you for every person that stepped out of the aisle and said, I'm ready to, to pick up my mat and walk. I'm ready to leave it all behind. And to each and every one of us in our hearts and our minds, there may be things that have already started to come to play that I'm not walking back into that this week because I'm going to walk after what God has for me. And so we, we say to every one of those walls, chains, addictions, barriers that have walked into this place, you have to be broken right now in Jesus' name. We believe in the complete healing of what you have done on the cross, Jesus. And so we, we just say that it would be completely washed over each and every one of us this week. And when we walk out of this place, we are leaving equipped and empowered to fulfill our purpose in Christ. That we're leaving with the presence of an almighty God that when we get into the car, we want conversation to be different. When we get home, we want conversations to be different. When we get to work and school tomorrow, we want conversations to be different. God, that you are raising us up to the next level that you have for us. But there's got to be some things that we got to let go of. There's got to be some lies that we're going to let go of. There's got to be some, some, some circumstances that we're just going to get ourselves out of because we, you, you, Jesus, are calling us up to stand up, take up our mat, and walk. So give us power this week as your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us that we're not going to walk back into slavery, but we are going to walk as children of God today. So I thank you for every person that came forward. And I thank you for every person that's been here today. 
We just say that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds this week as we leave this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So if you came up for prayer, we ask that you could.